You're listening to Titans of the Trades. I'm your host, Ryan England, author of Hire Better People Faster and creator of the Corfit Hiring System, a proven process to help growing companies attract and retain only the best. I'm on a mission to revolutionize the perception of the trades and elevate it to new heights. After growing up in a blue collar family, my passion for making the trades cool again runs deep. If you're a Titan in the industry and want to be on my show, stick around until the end and I'll reveal how you can be my next guest. I was just visiting two locations out in Minnesota last week and they had record high temperatures. And I told them to get their crews off the road, like just bring them, like give them the next two days off. Yeah. One, it's too hot. So the homeowner's not going to be outside. So they're not going to be bothered by mosquitoes because they're going to be in air conditioned homes at that point. But it's just understanding your workforce, really trying to make it a place that they want to be a part of creating that teamwork environment and that the culture of that. And that leads to retention. I mean, really taking care of your people. And it's not always monetary, Ryan. It's the culture you've created and making them feel a part of something is really important to retention. And I think that goes across industry. Today's guest is no stranger to helping people grow their business, but more importantly, is the brand president of Mosquito Shield, helping others grow their business as well. He's going to share some ideas that he's seen work inside of the franchise world, but also things that you can do as an entrepreneur, as a business leader, to engage your people, to keep them excited and ultimately retain them because we know retention is becoming more and more of a challenge right now. Please welcome to today's show, the president of Mosquito Shield, Michael Morehouse. Michael, it's great to have you here today. Welcome to the show. Hey, Ryan. Thanks a lot. I'm really happy to be here. You know, I like to change the way people think about business and some elements of business. And you're here as an expert in the franchising space. You've been doing it for a long time. You've probably seen more than most given your background. And I would love to know what's the big myth? What's that thing that entrepreneurs believe about business that you're just like, no, that's not right. And we're just going to break that down for them today. Can you share that with us? Yeah, I'd be happy to. I think for me that jumps out the most is like the self-driving car. You buy it, you open it, and it takes care of itself. And I think that is, to me, one of the biggest myths that still needs to be worked. Mm. I think also that ties into the semi-absentee term that's thrown around a lot in franchising. There still needs to be somebody behind the wheel. Yes, I've met a lot of owners. They're like, I paid my licensing fee and I set up shop. Like, it should just work now. And they forget. But I think that happens with a lot of entrepreneurs, especially early on in their entrepreneurial journey. They think that if they build it, people will come and it will just take care of itself. I remember really early on in my career, I was talking to a mentor and he says, he said, so how's that working less, making more working out for you as an entrepreneur? Because <laughs> that was always the belief that I could leave corporate and work less and make more. Didn't work out that way until much, much later. So that's great. So you've been working in the franchising space with Mosquito Shield for a long time now. What do you see people doing to overcome that? How do they keep themselves plugged in enough and balance it so that they still get what they want out of their business, but the business can start to take care of itself? Yeah, I think I believe actually a lot of the responsibilities on our side, on the franchisor side of things, like making Mm. sure that the systems are in place and that there's guardrails for them And then flags that are telling us that they're getting off 
course a little bit and how do we course correct it? So we want them to be independently owned and operated, right? That's why they're getting into this. They're just following a proven system. So that's the Mm. lure of franchising, more of that business in a box. So there's the challenge of keeping them confined enough that they stay within the system and they leverage the best practices, but giving them the autonomy to go out into their communities and, and grow their own business as a locally owned and operated. But I think we have to have guardrails in place for them. So we have checklists and things for them to follow. And our team can see when somebody is just disengaged or they mm. might be heading in that path. I think that responsibility is as much on the franchisor as it is as the new excited, nervous business owner coming in. Yeah. You know, I think that principle can carry through to really any business. Make sure you're measuring the right things and that you're calling things out and and getting the support where you need the support. Because I think the reality, especially in the franchise space, people usually come from a career somewhere else where they worked on one specific area really deep. They come to franchising thinking it's going to be really easy. And They've never done a lot of this stuff. Like they've never done collections. Maybe they've never done sales. Maybe they've never done recruiting or hiring, which is something that I'm really passionate about. I, I love that corporate should take some responsibility for that and that the franchisor should be helping out with those things. How do I, as the business owner though, take control of that on my own as well? Like I can only rely on corporate so much before I have to start looking inward and say, okay, what else can I do? Well, we've been around for over 11 years now as a franchise company, but more importantly, 22 years as a business. So we've got so many best practices that are fully baked into playbooks, both on the operation side of things, on the marketing side of things. You can engage with the team to a level and then run with it. And to your point a minute ago, Ryan, when you said that a lot of them, almost all of ours are coming from white collar backgrounds and they're looking to take control of their lives in a different way. And they're only heading into business ownership. They've got maybe one skill set of the five or six core ones that you need. Like you said, you need to have, and with us, you need to have some mechanical aptitude. You need to have marketing background, operations background. That's where we're able to handle all that. But for somebody that is a little bit of a self-starter, they've got so many resources available at their fingertips 24-7. So if they are full-time employed still and they're doing this as a side hustle until they grow it, They can work this business on nights and weekends with the resources that are available. It's just leaning in, I think, on the stuff that we've created over the years and any franchise system for that matter. They have fully baked programs for people to follow. I think, again, having a a check and balance system to make sure that's happening is a kind of a KPI that people have to have on their radar. That's some great stuff to look at. You mentioned playbooks a second ago, and the playbooks are so important. They're such an important thing to follow. And we were talking to about how sometimes people go a little rogue and they think they might know some better ways of doing things. Talk to me a little bit about that. What do you see in that? Because I know a lot of entrepreneurs, we think, hey, we're it's our business. We do what we want. And yeah, there might be some hard and fast principles that work, but I'm going to go rogue. I'm going to do it my way. Talk to me a little bit about what you see, especially in the franchise space with the franchise owners and some ways to overcome that way of thinking. Yeah. So I think for me personally, it was a real learning curve going back eight or 10 years ago when we first launched and we brought in some really great people, strong-willed, strong-minded people that wanted to do things on their own. And I was scratching my head saying, why did you buy into a franchise if you don't want to follow the system? And I learned that it's a common theme across all industry that that's the case. So I think that for us, we have some really great franchisees and some of them early on went their own way and then struggled. And then kind of come back in the fold and start to see some successes. And then they're all in at that point. 
we have those warning flags that go up across all departments when we're looking at everything from attendance. What are they attending that we host on a regular basis? How engaged are they with their franchise advisory council? We hold a call for what we call three and under. Anyone that's in our system for less than three years, we have an open call every Tuesday with all departments on it. So they can dial in and just hear what's going on with other Zs in their same sort of tenure that are maybe having the same struggles or pain points. So how many of the three and under calls have they made? The regional marketing calls have they made? The in-person meetings? So we gauge that and we can quickly see we have a what we call a franchisee scorecard that we share with our franchisees. And it's everything from their financials to their level of engagement. A lot of that will go hand in hand. When you see a struggling franchisee, they're often the ones that haven't been making all the calls, haven't been listening to them on a recording. And those are things that we measure. So I feel like you want to give them enough rope and you want them to feel like they have control of their own destiny. But at the same time, they have bought into a system that is super dependent on them being successful. So we can't grow our franchise if we don't have strong validation, if we don't have Z's getting out of the gate. So all of it really goes hand in hand. And I think what happens, Ryan, is you can quickly have the parent-child relationship, which we try to we try in earnest to avoid that from the home office. We really look at our franchisees as partners. We want them to feel like that they've got a stake in how the entire franchise system is doing, but they need to be engaged for that to happen. One thing that stands out to me that you just said was that three and under call. And when someone engages with you and becomes a franchisee, they're buying into a system that has been proven to work across multiple franchises over decades of experience. Like they're buying the system, but still you need to support them for the first three years. Like that's a critical time where they're nurturing and learning. And it kind of reminds me of when my kids learned to walk. It took them years before they were up and running, even though they were sometimes difficult to catch because they just were still learning. They were still learning this. It's interesting. A lot of times I think people have unrealistic expectations of how fast things are going to happen. We worked with a franchise owner that bought into what they considered a recession-proof franchise. Then COVID hit. And they sold it a year later and they said, hey, it was recession proof, not COVID proof is what they told me. I know a lot of people in the same space that just, I mean, went skyrocketing during COVID in the same exact type of franchise because they were just more flexible or had more operations built and those kinds of things. What do you see happen? I mean, you guys picked three years for a reason. What's the difference between a company that's been around for less than three years and one that's been around for more than three years? Like, what do you see? Yeah, for us, I do have to kind of touch on our model because it is a little unique in that it's very seasonal. I mean, sure, we've got locations down in Southern Florida that are open more like 12 months, but 80% of our owners, Ryan, are in a five to six month business. If they open today, they're going to get about six or eight weeks left of spraying in, and then they're going dark until next May. Hmm. And then they open up again and they've got five months or six months, depending on their market. And then they're dark again. So in two years time, they've only been spraying for about seven months. Oh, wow. Seven or eight months. Now, I call it the blessing and the curse because the the curse is the the ramp up, that three-year mark. The blessing is what happens after that when you start generating 12 months of revenue in a compressed amount of time. So it becomes a very scalable, lucrative, healthy business. But the first two to three years are the most challenging. So that's why we've identified that three and under group is having just a significantly different set of wants and needs than 
the, the four and older locations that have scaled. They've made it through those hurdles. We hold that call every other Tuesday, Ryan, and we'll bring in a veteran Z on those calls as well. So there'll be somebody from marketing, somebody from ops, somebody from accounting, and we'll invite in a, sometimes we'll invite in vendors, but we'll often invite in uh, a legacy Z. So it's not just us telling the three and under, it's somebody that's gone through it to the point where in January, so we've been at this 10 plus years now, and we're still learning, we're still building a better onboarding process. And in January, we hired a success coach And it's one of our first original franchisees that's still with us, that they've grown their business to a certain point. One of them uh, is able to take a step back. She wants to give back to the system. And we brought her on as a success coach. So she's working from day one with every new Z that comes on and either weekly, bi-weekly, right up until the point where we feel like they can go on their own. Like, so we're 10, 11 years in, we're building a new or reinventing ourselves with sort of a new sure start program just to help that group of people wow that's great i love that you've got that coach there to help them someone that's been there and done it they've climbed the mountaintop and they're able to show others how to make that happen you know we had talked briefly about the biggest challenge that these franchisees are dealing with right now and i I can imagine there's some unique challenges given your business model that half your team's going to go or most of your team's going to go away for a few months a year and have to figure out something else to do with their lives until they come back to work for you and work 12 months worth of work in five or six month period of time. But recruiting has been a big challenge, I think, for anybody that is in home services or commercial services. Recruiting's always been a challenge. What are you seeing in the in the marketplace as it comes to recruiting great technicians and building a team that can work with you seasonally? What are some of the challenges that you're seeing some of your franchisees overcome? Yeah, it's a great question. And it's probably one of the biggest that gets asked when people are going through the due diligence stage of buying a franchise. And if they're working with us, that's the one of the biggest things. How do I hire somebody and how do I keep them? Mm. So we've certainly put them in, in touch with franchisees that have done it. And I've got locations that are 10 years in and they still have their original seasonal technician. So we talk about the, a lot of times you're hiring from a like industry. So maybe you're going to pull from somebody that's been landscaping their whole life or worked for a a lawn care company or another pest control company. And so they're used to the seasonality of the industry and they might have a a side hustle in the wintertime. Up here in the Northeast, guys might do plowing or Mm. they might do interior painting. So they make a real, they make a lot of money in a short amount of time because the margins in mosquito control are great and you can pay, on average, we can pay technicians about 30% more than they'd make in a similar industry. So they're making good pay. They've got their side hustle in the off season. So combined, they do really well. We've added additional services. So we dabble in holiday lighting for franchisees that want to add it. So that's another bolt on that they can offer to their technicians. So they stop spraying in say October timeframe when the mosquito season's ending and they can go right to hanging lights and decorating homes. And so we have things like that, that we're always looking at and dabbling to help with that. Mm -hmm. But in any business, whether it's seasonal or not, HR is your, your biggest roadblock to growth. For us, it's just one one guy behind the wheel of the truck, but you want to add multiple trucks, you're going to need multiple people. I think what we see with franchisees in general, that they have very little background in HR. So having resources in place for them is super helpful. We've got a lot of pre-written help wanted ads and, and we'll even help interview and 
we have a benefit solution program so they can offer benefits to new hires. And so we've put a lot of resources in place to hopefully help them stand out in the marketplace when they're looking for help. No, that's great. Yeah. Giving them support. Like you'd said, a lot of them have white collar backgrounds and you know, if they came from any kind of corporate or enterprise job, there was an HR department handling all of that for them. They never really had to do it, especially finding people that want to be outside that want to deal with this because even though the, the weather is great that time of year when the mosquitoes are out, you're still out there dealing with the elements, still dealing with all that stuff. And it just takes the right kind of person to want to be able to do that. You guys have definitely stacked up the cards and made it a little bit more challenging because of that. Yeah, for sure. I was just visiting two locations out in Minnesota last week and they had record high temperatures. <sighs> and I told them to get their crews off the road. Like just bring them, like give them the next two days off. Yeah. One, it's too hot. So the homeowner's not going to be outside. So they're not going to be bothered by mosquitoes because they're going to be in air conditioned homes at that point. But it's just understanding your workforce, really trying to make it a place that they want to be a part of, creating that that teamwork environment and that the culture of that. And that leads to retention. I mean, really taking care of your people. And it's not always it's not always monetary, Ryan. It's the culture you've created and making them feel a part of something is really important to retention. And I think that goes across industry. Well, let's talk about that for a second. Uh, That's one of the things I hear a lot is, especially franchisees, they may be getting a lot of applications. They might get some guys to show up for interviews. They might even get some people hired. But then how do they keep them engaged? How do they keep them motivated? How do they keep them around? Like, What are some tips that you've seen, some things that you've seen work, some tips you can share with our listeners around retention? Yeah, I quickly learned about two years ago, probably just coming out of of the pandemic where it was hard getting people off of the benefits they were on to not work and getting them back into the workforce. And you would see everywhere you went that there were hiring bonuses. And I started coaching RZs to give stay on bonuses. So not hiring bonuses, but stay on bonuses. So each week in their paycheck, the technician would see based on a number of different things could be how their attendance and their how well they're keeping the van and all the things that are important to running this business. And they would earn a bonus. You'd see it in the paycheck at, in it, but it accrued and they'd get it at the end of the season. And they might have some payouts throughout the season, mm-hmm. but really the big payday is coming at the end. So you give them a hiring bonus and a week later they're gone. Yeah, It's not really building any any value in them or any value in your business. So we just started calling them stay on bonuses. It entices them to work through that season. So they don't leave you high and dry as you're trying to finish your season up or in midway through your season. And it really incentivizes them one, because they're being measured weekly. And I think that's super important with people that work for you. Like they need some level of I don't want to call it not instant gratification, but at least acknowledgement of the job they're doing. One, you owe it to them if they're not doing a great job to give them the chance to know why and, and get them back on track. And if they are doing a good job, they should be celebrated for that. And even with public postings and wherever you have your meeting space with the rest of the team and who's being acknowledged that week. And I just think a lot of that stuff for many of our franchisees, they're the, the labor pool they're pulling from are, are guys and gals that probably never saw a lot of that sort of recognition or reward 
for the job they've done. They show up, they do it, and they go home, and, and that's it. We've seen some really tremendous success stories of franchisees that have taken individuals that you know may have never had a break before, and years later, they're now either lead technicians or branch managers in some cases. And it's just, it's really amazing to watch that, that they were given the opportunity, they embraced it, and then they grew with it. And it doesn't work all the time. I've seen franchisees that I've had to tell them, listen, move on, time to move on. You've poured so much time into that individual and it's just, it, it's not going to work. Yeah. Right? But kudos for you for doing it and, uh, but time to move on. So I think just giving people that opportunity to flourish and the ones that take advantage of it, really leaning in on them and they'll do the same. Some real good truths in that, but you've got to be willing to invest. And sometimes it takes some time. It's not going to happen overnight. It's not like, Hey, I want to see you be a lead tech. Peace out. Let me know when you're there. You've really got to invest and nurture them. And I think that's one of the things that you're right. A lot of people in this space whether it's pest control or any other home service industry, sometimes these guys are treated as lesser than by their employers. Well, they are. And it also goes back to the comment we've already made a few times today is that a lot of our franchisees or a lot of business owners are coming from a background that they just don't have experience with dealing with people underneath them or people that they've hired and they're responsible for and they're they're giving them a paycheck. So one, that's a super powerful thing. And I, I tell my Z's that all the time. Anytime that you're responsible for somebody's being, like for employing somebody, that's super powerful. It gives you a lot of rights. I mean, like you have the right to make sure they're there on time. You have the right to make sure they're following the, the protocols you've set up in place. But doing it in an empowering way is the important thing. And we really make sure our franchise, franchisees know that they're not alone in that. Like if they have a f- technician that is acting out or problematic. The goal is always to try to fix it, but lean on people that have been there before and have done it before. And don't try to figure it out yourself. Oh, that so much wisdom in that right there. So even if you're not a part of a franchise group that has people to help, I mean, just the power of peer groups and mentorship and being able to be with someone that's been there and done that. You know what, Michael, this has been such a great episode. Lots of great takeaways. I've got a lot of things here. I love the self-driving car myth that business is just, hey, I just set it up and it's going to go and, and it's going to work and kind of need you to take the wheel sometimes and the use of playbooks and the fact that you have to understand that j- business is a maturing process. I mean, I love that you broke down your business model and how the three and under makes more sense because after three years, you've really only had about a year and a half worth of actual business experience. Makes a ton of sense. And then just taking care of your people, creating the right culture and really thinking about the things that motivate them. I love your idea of stay on bonuses as opposed to a signing bonus, which yes, we see that happen all the time. The guys show up, they get their signing bonus, and then they're out and they go get the next signing bonus. I think ev- almost every answer you gave, you talked about KPIs and the importance of measurement. <laughs> so I think that was like a big underlying element to the results that you've been able to get over there. Tell me, how do people learn more about you, whether they just want to tap into some more of your wisdom or learn more about maybe becoming a franchise owner? How do they get a hold of you? Yeah, I'd love to help anyone that's thinking about it. And just, I mean, I'd even take an email directly. I mean, I'm on LinkedIn, so you can find me there. But my direct email is Michael, M-I-C-H-A-E-L, at MoShield, M-O-Shield.com. And love anyone to reach out. I'll jump on a call, do a Zoom, just brainstorm with people if they want some advice, if they're looking at something or just taking that next step. 
that's what I think is the great thing about these types of platforms, Ryan, and I appreciate you having me on it, is just to empower people, if they've been thinking about it their whole lives, to, to consider it. That's great. Thank you, Michael, for being on the show. Ton of great wisdom here. And take him up on that. If you're listening to this and you're like, hey, I'm just going to reach out. You've got his email address. Reach out. I know he'll get back to you very quickly and support you any way you can. Michael, thank you so much for being on the show. Awesome. Thank you, Ryan. Ryan England here. Thank you so much for listening to Titans of the Trades. If you're a Titan in the construction, manufacturing, or skilled trades industry and would like to be a guest on my show, please visit podcast.corematters.com. If you found value in this interview, would you share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot on your phone and share it with a friend or post it on social. And if you know someone that would be a great guest, tag them on social media to let them know about the show and include the hashtag Titans of the Trades. I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content. To make sure you don't miss any episodes, click the subscribe button. Your thumbs up ratings and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and get me one step closer to solving the labor crisis facing the industry. Want to know more about how we're doing that? Go to our website or follow me on LinkedIn. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.